you know, every week I've been asking people from our church to read some scripture. Nancy and I were over at a friend of ours, uh, some friend's house uh, this week, and uh, they texted me and said, hey, who's going to read the scripture this week? And I said, well, I'm sitting right here with uh, Chris and Natalie. And I said to them, do you guys want to read the scripture? And they said, well, we can do that. Um, so I want to introduce you to some great friends um, who go to our church here, Natalie and Chris Bercha, and they're going to read this uh, second chapter verses from James. Then Rich will come. Good morning. We are Chris and Natalie Bercha. About five years ago, my mom and I decided to make Seminole Community Church our home church, and now I attend with my husband, Chris. And one of the things that we love so much about the church is the community. Um, My mom passed away last year, and people that we didn't even know showed up on our door uh, with food for days. Uh, That definitely was such a blessing to our family and just the unconditional love and support we received from Pastor Jerry and Nancy. Our scripture this morning is from James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. What good it is, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. All right. Good morning. How's everybody? Yeah, I look great. So it's good morning. All right. So we are continuing in this series. Um, faith works. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about how to have real faith, how to have real faith. So hopefully you have your outline. You can follow along if you would like in your outline. If you're joining us online, you can also follow along um, either online if you have the printable outline. So today in our culture, it is literally overrun with fake products. Almost anything real can be faked and purchased at a much cheaper price, anywhere from anything from handbags, which I've seen some of those in my house. I I don't know that they're fake. I think they're real. I'll say they're real. From handbags to electronics. I have fake electronics too. And of course, today we can improve our bodies with just about fake anything, most of which 
I won't mention up here because they're unmentionables. Um, then we can go out to Starbucks and put fake sugar in our coffee, which I do, fake sugar. And then we wear fake designer clothes made out of fake leather while talking about fake news with a fake identity on social media. So much fake in the world today. Now, there are some areas in life where, where fake works. It works fine. It's almost just as good as the real thing. But there's one area where you have to have the real and not the fake. You have to have the real thing, and it's this. You have to have real faith, not fake faith, or it doesn't work. In the Bible, in this book right here, there are over 6,000 promises from God to us, to all of us. But to access these promises, we have to have real, legitimate faith. Fake faith has no power to change your life. It has no power to save. It has no power to answer our prayers. It has no power to transform us, really. So in the book of James, we now come to the second half of chapter 2. And here we have, it's kind of like this little essay that James has written to help see the difference between real faith and fake faith. Um, as we're looking at this, what I hope and what I really think is I will guarantee that as you look at this, it's going to really change your life. It can really help you have a real understanding of what faith is and what faith isn't. It's simple to understand. It's real basic knowing the difference between fake faith and real faith. Now, maybe for some, you know, you're wondering, why are my prayers not being answered? Well, it could possibly be because you don't have real faith. Maybe you thought you did, but you don't have real faith. And maybe it's not the, re it's not the request. It's just... The, the faith isn't there. It's not real faith. So today in James chapter 2, it's going to help us to see the real difference between real faith and fake faith. Keep saying that over and over again. That'll, that'll mess you up. Real faith and fake faith. We're going to see the difference between the real and the fake that really has no power to help you. So let's look at James chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 14 through 20. You can follow along on your outline or on the screens. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough, unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Man, you look at that and go, what in the world is James talking about here? Because after reading a passage like this, 
we can often think that, okay, is James, there's been lots of debates here, and is James contradicting Paul? Like back in July, I shared about our freedom in Christ from Galatians. So you may think, well, is James contradicting what Paul was saying? I would say no. Actually, they are complementing one another. And I add a little chart there. Hopefully this chart is helpful for you. You can see it on your outline. It's, it's going to be up here on the screens. You can see it online as well. I add this chart to help, to help us to understand a bit. For instance, when Paul is writing, the emphasis of Paul is how to know that I'm saved. But the emphasis of James, you can see there, is how to show that I'm saved. When Paul, his focus when he writes... He's writing about focusing on the root of my salvation, which is internal and unseen. James is focusing on the fruit of my salvation, which is external and visible. Hopefully this is helping to see the difference. It's two sides of the same coin. When Paul talks about works, he's talking, he, he was talking about keeping the Jewish laws in order to become a believer. He's saying you can't do that. It's not by works. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. It's only through Jesus. But when James is using the t- same term about works or good deeds, he's actually talking about once you become a Christian, now that you are a believer, this is how to live your life. This is what we should be doing. Hopefully that makes sense and that helps a little bit. So what is real faith? Well, James first tells us four things that faith is not. And then he gives us two examples of what real faith really is. Now, as we go through this today, you might use this as a kind of a quiz for self-evaluation. Now, even as I was preparing this message, I was really evaluating myself in this message. So I hope that you will kind of look at yourself through this and see, do I have these saving faith items in my life? So how do I know my faith? Is real. First thing we see, James 2.14, he says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So if you're taking notes and you would like to, I'd like you to circle the word say. Because he's basically saying, what's the use of saying that you have faith if you don't have any actions in your life? So here's the first thing he says that real faith is not. If you want to write this in on your outline, it says real faith is more than just the words that I say. Real faith is more than just words I say. It's more than just a memorized prayer. I mean, some people pray, now I lay me down to sleep. What's the rest? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Or like me growing up, I was raised um, a church that we went to. I had to learn a bunch of prayers, and so I had to learn the Lord's Prayer, and I had to memorize it, and then I had like quizzed on it, so then I had to know it. So I could say the Lord's Prayer, but it meant nothing to me. It was just words that I spoke. Just because you can recite a prayer doesn't mean you're a Christian. It doesn't mean you know the Lord. It doesn't mean you have faith. As a young person, I would say that prayer, but I didn't have real faith. It was just something that I would say. Repeating something that I heard other people say didn't mean that I had real faith. Claiming that I have real real faith doesn't prove that I have real faith. Knowing all the religious lingo and all of the phrases 
just because you say you have faith, I would say it doesn't guarantee. I wouldn't say it. James is saying it doesn't guarantee that you, you've got it. I mean, have you ever met somebody that sounds like a believer? They know all the right phrases. You know, they say all, it seems like they say all the right thing, but their lifestyle is 180 degrees different from the things that they're saying. Their lifestyle doesn't match their words. And the Bible says that you will know when someone is a believer by what they do. It actually says you will know a, a Christian by the fruit that they produce. In other words, it's, it's like me. I don't know a lot about any trees at all. If there is an orange tree, I am not going to be able to tell that that's an orange tree without what? Oranges on it. I can't look at that tree and tell you what it is. I know it maybe kind of looks like a fruit tree. I'm not really sure. Could it be grapefruit? Could it be whatever? No, I will definitely know that that tree is an orange tree because it's producing oranges. It's the same in our Christian life. They will know us. They will know Christians. Christians are known by the fruit that they produce. Did you know that there's studies that have shown that in the United States, most people claim to be a Christian. The vast majority of Americans say, I'm a Christian. But I would say, doesn't seem like it, especially now. And a lot of people live any old way they want to live. That's not faith. And I even think today we, we make the mistake of labeling a, an actress or a famous or an actor or famous movie star person or a celebrity uh, or an athlete. We, we tend to label them a Christian because they vaguely sound like a Christian. Maybe they said something. It doesn't mean they're necessarily a Christian. James is saying just because you say you have faith doesn't mean that you've got it. Real faith is more than words. Matthew 7:21. This is a pretty sobering verse. This is Jesus saying this. He says, "Not everyone who says that I am their Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. The only people who will enter heaven are those who do what my Father in heaven wants them to do." I be, believe the beginning of that do is accepting Jesus as their Savior. There's lots of people that may do thinking, and they've never taken that step of faith. And Jesus is saying, I don't really know you. It's not just what you say, it's what you do. For instance, I could stand up here and claim to be the best singer in the world. I could say that all day long, like I'll... Like Kristen, who just blew the roof off this place, and all the other singers, I'm better than them. I could say that, but it wouldn't make it true. And as soon as I started singing, you all would know it wasn't true. Very quickly. Now, now what's the value of phony faith? What's the value of fake faith? None. It has no value in our lives. It's worthless. Talk is cheap. So real faith is more than just the words that I say. The second thing that James is saying here is real faith is more than just an emotion that I feel. Real faith is more than just an emotion I feel. Look, you can be inspired. You can be emotionally moved. You can have goosebumps. And you can be really emotional and never have real faith. James gives us some examples of this. James 2, 15 through 17 says, Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. 
but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. So do you see the sarcasm that James is using here? He's like saying, if somebody's out of work and you just go up to that somebody and you say, hey, I feel for you. Hey, I'll be praying for you. Take care. Be warm. You know, uh, uh, don't worry. Be happy. God loves you. I'll pray for you. And then you walk away. He's saying that doesn't that doesn't work. They don't just need our prayer. They need food. They need help. That's faith in action. Faith is way more than just a feeling that we have at church or or getting a spiritual high from a service. James is saying that you can say all those words, but it's not actually faith unless we're doing something about it. It's not just a feeling that I have. It's real. It's faith is practical. It gets involved with people's needs. It's not just having a warm, fuzzy feeling on a on a Sunday morning and then not living it all out, living it at all during the week. Real faith is more than an emotion, I feel. Third thing that James says is real faith is more than an idea that I debate. More than an idea, I debate. For some people, faith is just an intellectual game. It's a mental challenge. It's a theology to be studied. It's a doctrine to be debated, an idea to be discussed. In other words, for them, faith is not something you do. Faith is just a conversation. They love to talk. They'll talk all day and night about God, about faith, and they'll be happy to debate you because it's just this conversation that they want to have, but it doesn't change their conduct. They would rather discuss the Bible than to do it. They'd rather debate theology than to actually practice it. James 2.18 says this, now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. In other words, he's saying, the guy walks in and says, okay, you're into doing good things? Well, I'm into discussing good things. I'd like to discuss. I'd like to talk about the Bible. You know, I don't want to really practice it. I don't really want to do anything about my faith. I would just rather fight about it online on social media. I don't want to obey it. I don't want to obey God. I just want to debate. I'll discuss all day, all night, whatever. But don't ask me to make any commitment or any real changes in my life. That's fake faith number three. Now, here's a key, a key phrase in 18. If you want to circle this, is the show me. He's, he, show, he says, show me there. How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? How do I know that you've got real faith unless you show me? He says, real faith is visible. It's apparent. You, you can see it. You can show me. In fact, faith is a lot like love. It's odorless. It's colorless. It's weightless. You can't really see it. So, so how do you know if somebody has real faith? Look at his lifestyle. Look at her lifestyle. Faith is, I heard it said, and I thought this was great. Faith is really like, it's like calories. You can't see calories when they're going in. But you can see the results of your calories if you got too many of those suckers. And that's what faith is. You can't see faith, but it will be visible by its results. And James is saying, show me your faith and then I'll know it's real. Don't tell it to me. Don't say it's an emotion. Don't say it's just words I say because it's something that you do. He says, if you claim to be a Christian, and this is kind of what James is alluding to, then I have the right to ask you to prove it. And the way you prove it is by your actions. 
Now, the truth is this, and I really thought about this. The truth is that somebody as big as God cannot possibly come into your life and change you in a visible way. I'll say it again. It's impossible for somebody as big as God to come into your life and not change you in a visible way. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, look, this new life, this doesn't happen like you don't make all the changes in your life overnight. But it does happen over time. It should happen over time. It's like if, if I was to grab a, um, a wire that two, had 220 volts of electricity running through that, I would know it and you would know it immediately. I actually worked in electronics. was my first job out of college in an electronics place where a guy, um, we did work with some AC, and the guy, we were taught to only have one hand in as you're working with any kind of power supplies or anything like that. Well, he didn't do that. He had two hands in, and so he was stuck. He completed the current, and we were all were like, what's that smell? And there's the guy over there cooking away. And we had to kick the stool out from underneath him because we knew there was no doubt about it. That guy just got zapped bad. And in just the same way, if I grab that or if I do that in my faith when it comes to God, we should know it. Now, actually, the Bible says that we have an aroma. We smell different to people. There's a difference and we should be able to see it. Now, here's the question, and I want you to really think about this. It, and this goes back to, if you've ever read Josh McDowell, The Case for Christ. If you were to walk out of this church building after this service, or if you were watching online and you're at home, and you were to walk out of your home, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Could people say, well, I see the changes in their life. Because real faith always produces a changed life. It's more than just the words I say. It's more than being emotional. It's more than an idea I debate. The fourth thing he says this, real faith is more than a truth I believe. It's more than a truth I believe. James, again, using a little bit of sarcasm. I think that's why it's so fun to read. James chapter 2, 19-20 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? In other words, a guy comes in, he thinks he's going to earn some brownie points, and he's boasting, well, I believe in God. James would say, big deal. The devil believes in God. You know that, right? The devil believes in God. He's not an atheist. He believes in God. He's smarter than that. But you're not going to find the devil in heaven. The demons believe in God, but you're not going to find demons in heaven. Why? Because it's one thing to have a head knowledge about God and, and even a belief about God. It's another thing when that head knowledge moves from your head to your heart and it completely changes you to where you obey God, you love God, you trust God, and you serve God. Maybe you didn't realize this. Like I said, the devil is not an atheist. And let me be clear, saying I believe in God will not get anyone into heaven because even the devil says that, of course, he believes in God. He believes in Jesus. He believes that Jesus is God's son. How do we know? Because he tried to kill him. 
And that was his reason. That's why he wanted to kill him. It's not just something we believe. It's not this intellectual knowledge that we have. So what is real faith? If it's not what I say and it's not what I feel, and it's not just what I believe, it's not all these things I want to argue and I want to debate, James is saying that faith is something I do. It's active. It's not passive. It's a choice. It's a commitment. It's it's something that I do. James 2.26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith shows up in my lifestyle, and if there's no change in my life, I have to then ask myself, do I have real faith? Do I have faith? 1 Corinthians 16.13-14 says, Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. I can't think of a better sentence for us to remember to stand firm, be strong, and to do everything in love. That's what we should be doing in this crazy time that we live in. This is a great verse to remember. So let me ask you, what are you doing these days to stand firm in your faith? What are you doing to take a stand for Jesus? What are you doing to demonstrate your faith? Anything in this this time especially? Because... Right now in the times that we live in, in, people need it more than ever. And they need to see it in us. Now James ends his little speech, or this essay if you will, on the difference between real faith and fake faith by giving us two examples of living by faith. And these two people were real people, but they were very different people. They were named, if you remember in the scripture read earlier, they were Abraham and Rahab. Two people that James chooses out of the Old Testament to demonstrate what real faith is. Abraham and Rahab. Now, Abraham had faith. Rahab had faith. Abraham was a man. Rahab was a woman. Abraham was a rich businessman. Rahab was a poor prostitute. She was a streetwalker in the city of Jericho. Their lives were many years apart. Abraham's story is found in the book of Genesis. And one day God comes to Abraham, who Abraham is not a God-fearing man. He's an idol worshiper. He, He didn't even know God. God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I'm going to ask you to follow me to a new location. And I want you to move all your family, all your flocks, all your herds. And if you'll trust me on this, I'm going to make you into a great nation. If you'll demonstrate real trusting faith in me. And he did. And Abraham became the father of faith. And he actually became the father of the Jewish nation. So I'd like you to write this down. If you're taking notes and you want to write this in. In faith, Abraham followed God without knowing where he was going. Abraham followed God without knowing where he was going. He didn't say, God, show me where we're going to go first. No, that's not what he said. God told him, just head out in that direction. Well, how do I know when we get there? I'll tell you when. Just trust me. Trust me on this. It was, a, it was going to a place that he'd never seen before. Trusting a God that he really didn't even know before this time, but he acted on his faith. And he held nothing back from God. And he just trusted that he would provide. And later we read another story of Abraham where God tested him and asked him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, which really was just a picture. It was a foreshadow of what God the Father was going to do with his only son, Jesus. And so Abraham 
also knew that if I sacrificed my son, that God could raise him back to life. Sounds similar to the story we learn about Jesus. His whole life was trusting God, going ahead, stepping out in faith, taking a risk without knowing where he was going. Now, James concludes his example of Abraham in verse 22, and the message paraphrase, this is really good, James 2.22. Isn't it obvious, and he's talking about Abraham, that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself through works, that, that the works are works of faith. I love that. And then James 2.23, God accepted Abraham's faith because he acted on it, and that faith made him right with God. So Abraham was called a friend of God. I want to be God's friend. I hope you want to be God's friend. Then James gives us another story of Rahab. And this story is found in Joshua chapter 2. It's actually a spy story. Moses had led the the children of Israel um, out of Egypt uh, after 400 years of bondage. And they were getting ready to go in this new territory that God was going to give them, the promised land. And Jericho is this highly fortified city that they're going to have to get into first. But see, the people of Jericho had already heard about what God had done through the Jewish people, and they were scared. So they knew that they were going to come in, and they were going to have to fight the Jewish people. But there was this woman named Rahab who lived in Jericho. She was a prostitute. As I said, she was a streetwalker. And you know what she did? This is what she did. She risked her life to save the spies that Joshua had sent into Jericho. So if you want to write this in, in faith, Rahab risked her life to save others. She she risked her life to save others. And because she risked her life to save God's people, did you know God put her in the genealogy of Jesus? You know, like in Matthew, when you read all the list of people, it says this father, we got that father and this father and that father. Yet four women are mentioned. One of them is Rahab. Isn't that amazing? She wasn't even Jewish. And she was a prostitute. But her faith was more important than her background. And God said, that's good enough. And she became one in the lineage of Jesus. Amazing. I don't care what your background is. God can use your life for good if you'll have faith like Rahab. Rahab risked her life to save others. What's she doing? She's showing faith in action. That's faith. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. I, I heard a story about there's this famous tightrope walker. His name is Charles Blonde, and he, was, he really came to fame in the late 1800s where he became the first person to cross a tightrope going across Niagara Falls. It's like 11,000 11, feet across Niagara Falls. So he's going up on this tightrope that's 160 feet above the falls. People from, from the United States and people from Canada, both sides came to watch this craziness that he was doing. So he would go back and forth multiple times doing different things. Like he would go blindfolded one time or another time he would go on stilts. Well, there was this one instance where he took a wheelbarrow and he took the wheelbarrow and he was going across the tightrope on a wheelbarrow and had like a sack of potatoes in the wheelbarrow. And he does his thing. He gets across and the crowd just erupted. I mean, their applause was louder than the falls. You couldn't even hear the falls anymore because they were, yeah, you're the greatest, you know. Going, so Blondin saw their applause and so he stops and he asked the audience, do you believe I can carry a person 
across this, in this wheelbarrow. And they're like, yes, you are the greatest tightrope walker in the world. Of course, we believe that you can do this. So Blondin, got a little excited, Blondin dumps out the potatoes and says, all right, who wants to get in? Now, as far as the story goes, at that time, nobody got in the wheelbarrow. That's the test of faith. Will you get in the wheelbarrow? It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to feel it. It's one thing to debate it. But none of these things are real faith. It's one thing to claim you believe it like they did, but will you get in the wheelbarrow? That's faith in action. That really shows what we believe. Now, I want you to take this message and I want you to think about what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. Maybe you've been a, say it as nicely as I can, maybe you've been a fake Christian. Maybe you've been a fake faith person. You have phony faith. Uh, You've talked the talk, but you haven't gotten in the wheelbarrow. There's nothing in your life that would show anybody that you're really a Christian. You kind of are just like everybody else that's a non-believer. Have you really stepped across that line? If so, it ought to show up in our lives. Now, let me make something really clear. I'm getting to the end here. I'm going to make something really clear. Works don't save us. They can't save us. We can't earn our way to heaven. That's why Jesus had to come. We can't earn our way. We can't earn our way to heaven. Remember, they're not the root of our salvation. They're the fruit of our... They show we're a Christian. They don't make us a Christian. They show it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, by grace through faith, for life of good works which God has prepared for us to do. Now, notice here there's three prepositions in the sentence. These are important. It says we're saved by grace, we're saved through faith, and we're saved for a life of good works. Do you have all three parts in your life? If you're saved by grace and you're saved through faith, it's going to show up in your life. As I said, you can't have, some, some, you can't have somebody as big as God come into your life and not change you. Now, the order is important by grace, through faith, for a lifetime of good works. doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time because there's a lot of times I live for myself instead of living for God. But I'm striving to move forward. And God has planned for your life to make a difference. So now I want to close with just a couple of questions in light of what James has just said. Here's the first question that you need to ask yourself. Am I really a Christian after all? That's between you and God. Am I really a Christian after all? Have I really put my faith in Christ? How do, how do I know? How do you know? Well, maybe you say, well, I, I said a few words. I, I prayed a prayer. Great. Did it change your life? What changes can you point to in your life that are different? What changes can I point to in my life that are different? Is my lifestyle different from unbelievers? Am I not just a good person, but a Christ follower? So in just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in a prayer. We're, we're almost done. Just bear with me just a couple more minutes. 
And remember, as I pray, it's these aren't, these are, we say the words, not about the words. It's what's happening in our lives and what we're really saying. Kind of the first thing I want to say is, for those of you that are believers or followers of Christ, maybe just in your life it's we've gotten um, maybe lazy with our faith. Maybe that's what it is. Or just complacent. Maybe for you this morning it's more just about kind of recommitting and saying, I'm a follower of yours, Jesus. I know I'm a follower of yours, but I've kind of gotten lazy with my faith. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But maybe for some of you, you're like, I have never crossed that line. I don't even think I'm a, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm glad you're here. So first I'm going to pray for those maybe who, who are Christians who just want to, want to recommit. So if you would just bow your heads with me, and then I'm going to share something else. Father, even in my own life, if this is you, just maybe say this. Father, um, man, I'm so sorry. There's just been times in my faith that I've just gotten complacent. I've gotten lazy. And I've allowed my life to not be a life of good works. Not that that, I know that doesn't save me. I'm yours because of Jesus. But I haven't been living a life of good works. There's maybe people I work with or maybe people I go to school with or whatever. They don't even know I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. But I don't show it. Help me to show it so I can make a difference for you. Please help me to have that kind of faith. Make that your prayer if that's you. All right, and we can look up here for a second, those online. I, I, I just wanted to kind of walk through the gospel and then pray, and then we'll be, we'll be done. See, here's what I want everybody to know. If you're watching online or if you're in this room, God loves you so dearly. God loves you. He created you to be with him. That's why he created you, because he wants a relationship with each and every one of us. But here's the the problem. Sin wrecked it. Adam and Eve way back, and we can't help it. We inherited it, just like you inherit stuff from your parents. You inherited sin. And that sin has made a separation between us and God. And there's outside of God, there's nothing that we can do to fix that. So we're separated because of that. And as we learned, our good works, the things that we do, don't save us. They can't save us. We can't be good enough to get into heaven on our own. And God knows that. And so what did God do for us? He said, I want to fix it because I want to restore my relationship with my creation who I love because I want to be with them. So paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. He sent his perfect son to take the place for our sins, for all of our sins. It doesn't matter who you are like Rahab. Or whoever, paying the price for sin. Jesus died on the cross for us and he rose again. And here's what the Bible says Anyone who puts their faith and trust in him alone will have eternal life. Anyone. Doesn't matter who it is. Rahab the prostitute. Name whatever. Doesn't matter. Anyone who puts their faith and trust in him alone and what he did will have eternal life. And here's the great thing eternal life starts now. It's not just when we get to heaven. This is the life of good works. Eternal life starts now, and guess what? Lasts forever. So if this morning you're like, I don't know. I don't think I've made that decision. I'm just going to lead you in this prayer, and then I'll dismiss us out after that. So just bow your heads with me. If you're online, you can bow your heads where you're at, and maybe just say this to God. God, I don't, I don't want to have fake faith. I want to, have real, I want to really trust in you. 
I want you to change my life for good. I don't want to just talk the talk and not walk the walk. I want my life to be better. I want my life to be different. I want my life to be what you made it to be. I want to know your purpose for my life. And I'm asking you to change me. And I'm giving you permission to change me. And I want to learn to trust and follow you like Abraham and like Rahab. So God, today, maybe this is your prayer. God, today I admit that I need forgiveness for my sin because I know that that sin has separated me from you. And I believe that Jesus is your son who you sent to the world who was sinless and that you sent him here to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And today I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my life, forgive me and cleanse me. And I'm giving my life completely to you. I'm choosing to follow you today. Now, please help me to live out a life of good works. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.